many have focused specifically on what it feels like to be a caregiver. We can feel contentedness, pride and joy. We can feel elated whenever we make a meaningful connection with our loved one. We can also feel sadness and loneliness. At times we are angry, depressed and frustrated, at other times we may be embarrassed by our loved one's behavior. And we can feel sorry for ourselves that we have to go through this experience. The list goes on and on. How did we feel? They ask. We remember. The feeling of our collar tightening, voice faltering, palms sweating, and face blushing. Then they call to our attention that the person with Alzheimer's disease is in a giant classroom every day, one in which he or she never has the exact answer. Bell and Troxell advise the reader to take 10 small sheets of paper and write down one of their favorite activities on each. They say to study them one by one. They then instruct us to assume we can't do any of them anymore and to wad them up and throw them away one at a time. At that point they pose the question, how do you feel? They continue. If any of us experienced memory or judgment problems, if any of us was afraid of something, if any of us had to give up most or all of his or her favorite activities, it would be perfectly normal to be depressed or anxious. To hide things, to wander away from a possibly threatening situation or to strike out at someone we think is trying to hurt us. This is an excellent question, and one I've considered often in the last decade plus of working with such folks. First, it depends upon the stage of dementia, mild, moderate, or severe. In mild dementia, it seems to be like being a functional alcoholic stay, as far as cognition goes. You're able to do what you need to do, but some little things get missed, such as your t-shirt is on backward, but you don't notice. Or you can't find the sugar bowl, so you start taking apart cupboards and end up going without coffee and the kitchen is a mess. Later, you swear you did not do that. You have no memory of doing it, and the more another person argues that you did indeed make that mess, the angrier you get. You did not. He or she is lying. The whole day goes like this, close to normal, but not quite. Routines are easy, but anything new is more difficult. And, if asked about someone or thing from earlier in the day, you may or may not remember the event. By the end of the day, you're tired of thinking, but your brain keeps throwing up odd thoughts and ideas, things like, I can't find the car keys. Someone must have stolen them. I need the car keys. You may wonder. Rummage, pull things out of drawers for a couple hours, at the end of which, you may be unable to tell anyone what it was you were searching for. Even more telling, you may not have driven a car for the past five years. During moderate dementia, each day is more moment to moment, and routine is your friend. Anything that is routine is easier for you to experience. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, that's how your day is scheduled. But something out of the ordinary, like a doctor's appointment, can throw you. You may walk at going, at getting dressed and getting in the car and going. There's so much mental stimulation involved in such a non-routine event that you prefer to 
stick to what you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe sitting in the sun, watching the world go by. Activities like taking a shower can become difficult for you. If you think about it, a shower is an event that is very high in stimulation of all sorts. The bathroom is very separate from your normal living space, usually hard-edged and cold-seeming. Then you must take all your clothing off, that's just a lot of stimulation itself, and the memories loosely associated fault with nakedness are also fraught with stimulation. The shower makes noise, the temperature difference is apparent, there's soap and shampoo and the scrunchy thing, water in your eyes, your ears, the space is confined, and by this time someone is usually in there with you, helping, which is just weird, no matter how much you understand and accept that you need help. It's one diagnostic sign of moderate dementia, you may start to not like to be washed and clean, shower or bath. I remember a gentleman in the facility I worked at in Washington State. He was new and hadn't been showered at the hospital, so on his first full day, the aides gave him a shower. He spent the rest of the afternoon in tears because they threw me in the corner and pelted me with rocks like a piece of trash. That's what he felt like. Another woman would walk up and down the corridors but stay far away from windows saying there's Indians out there. They're going to attack. It took a long time to figure this one out. She would pace and pace and could not sit still, always talking about Native Americans shooting arrows at us. Finally a nurse asked her if she had been hit by an arrow. Yes, she said. Where they get you? Right here. And she clutched her low back. Urgh. It hurt so much. Going through her medical history a bit closer, we discovered she had been in a car accident years before and suffered a low back injury. She'd been telling us for weeks what was happening to her, but not in a way that made sense to us. To her, it made perfect sense, it felt like an arrow in her back. And who used arrows? American Indians. You are losing words, but it doesn't matter much since those around you. Ignore that loss and fill in the blanks. Sometimes you cannot understand what someone else said, like he is speaking a foreign language, and this can make you automatically refuse whatever is being spoken about, that, too, makes a certain amount of sense. Someone babbling to you in a foreign language and making come with me motions is someone to view with suspicion, don't you? Think? Moderate dementia is usually the longest part of the disease, which is why I'm spending so much time on it. The slow slide into severe dementia is sometimes difficult to spot as far as an actual line of demarcation, but one sign is sleeping more and more often. Even during formerly pleasurable activities, such as familiar and enjoyed music, the damage to your brain is so profound that the stimulation is not enough to keep you awake. You sleep, perchance to dream, but we don't know. We know that damage to the areas that are usually lit up like a Christmas tree during dreaming is profound, but since we don't really understand sleep or dreaming, it seems rather cruel to take someone who doesn't do well in new 
situations into a sleep lab and wire his brain for sound and color, stick him in a tube, and say, don't move. So we don't know. But that is one of the things I've always wondered about, it seems to me by the time you are in severe dementia, the difference between awake and dreaming is invisible. Speech is limited. You may have a full thought in your head, but only one nor two words come out, if any. Caregivers learn to listen for the first two or so words and try to discern what the thought is from there, because that's usually all we get. Eyesight is odd, you don't know what it is you are seeing. My current furthest along in Alzheimer's resident recently did not recognize a puppy. She saw it, she gazed at it, I placed her hand on it, but she looked at her hand and not the puppy, and there was absolutely no engagement between her and the stimulation provided. She no longer hears music, which is a shame, because she loved music her whole life long. We still play it for her, and we still put on her favorite musicals, but there's no engagement anymore. She does not hear or see any of it other than perhaps a fleeting spark of memory, now gone. In severe dementia, everything is moment to moment. Routine means nothing anymore, because there is no past or future, only now. And then you start your last slide into end-stage dementia, you sleep 23 and a half hours out of 24, and when you are awake, you may as well be dreaming. You do not meet anyone's eyes. You do not react in any manner too much beyond very painful stimulation. You are almost gone. We try to feed you, but you don't seem to know what to do with the food in your mouth, and you may choke, which could result in aspiration pneumonia, never a good thing. Your urine output drops, peristalsis decreases, and your body temperature may rise. And as your organs start to shut down, you sleep, and sleep, and sleep, and slip away. Very peacefully. You're gone. You know how frustrating and heartbreaking. Dementia symptoms are from the point of view of a caregiver. You know the pain of slowly seeing a loved one slip away. But what is it like for her? What is it like for a person to slowly, or sometimes quickly, forget almost everything she ever knew? Dementia is ultimately a lonely condition, and you can never truly know what it's like for your loved one. But by asking experts, and people who are themselves in the early stages of the disease, we can get some idea. It's devastating, says Marianne Becklenberg, of Dyer, Indiana, who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2008 at the age of 62. I am acutely aware of all those areas in which I am not competent anymore, both small and large. Coming to terms with my own deficiencies is so hard. Learning something about the other side, beyond the dementia symptoms you see, could make you feel closer to your loved one. It could also make you a more understanding and effective caregiver. Dementia is a disease that can bring grief to a family if it isn't handled correctly. There are so many myths circulating about the illness, and many people do not understand that. Dementia is a manageable condition. In fact, many families living with a 
dementia patient can find some peace and a little stability. It just takes a clear understanding of what dementia is and how it can be managed. As you and the dementia patient get to know one another, start picking up cues to her discomfort. These will be the signs that help you set the meltdown avoidance plan into motion as the disease progresses. When you start to see those cues, check the environment for uncomfortable conditions. Look at the clock, and consider the routine to rule out medication, hunger, thirst or sleep. Adjust the temperatures, provide a little company or get visitors out of the room. As you get to know the disease, you will find that certain things almost always set the patient off, so those are the things you correct first too. Avoid a meltdown. If everything is fine, it is time to distract the patient. Use a favorite item or conversation topic. Maybe it's time for an activity like a walk. Outside fresh air is great for dementia patients, and exercise can help. To another favorite activity. Soothing the patient is important if nothing else works. Soft tones, touching or hugs if welcome, approach the person from the front and slowly, or simply talking is sometimes enough to thwart the dreaded meltdown. Communicating smart. The way you speak with the loved one suffering from dementia also matters. You must avoid confrontation and too many questions coming too rapidly. If you must ask a question, keep the phrasing simple and leave plenty of time for the person to answer. In fact, all of your communication should be simple, loud enough to hear and clearly spoken. Avoid current slang terms and try to keep the sentences short if the person is easily confused. Always offer reassurance and be prepared to repeat statements and questions as needed. Engage the person in conversation regularly to help curb loneliness. Finding support. Everyone touched by dementia in any way will need an outlet to express their frustrations, joys and fears. That is why many medical institutions offer groups for families and patients. Being around other people going through the same thing can help you and the person suffering from the dementia. It will also give you another chance at an activity that everyone can enjoy. If you can't get out of the house, there are internet chat groups and rooms. Telephone helplines are also available with the support you need to get through the frustration and tips to help as well. Maintaining the medicine. A very important part of living with someone with dementia is maintaining medical treatment, appointments and care. Some of the worst parts of the disease can be brought on by other conditions left undiagnosed or complications due to medication. Keep regular appointments with physicians and hire home care if needed to keep your loved one in the best shape possible. Good health is one important way to slow the progression of the dementia as well. Dementia patients are not untouchable people in our society. They are our moms, dads, aunts, uncles and children, who are people full of personality. The dementia is just the disease eating away at the brain and not the person carrying it. So, when communicating with and caring for the patient, remember that she is not acting out the diseases. Once you have an understanding of what is really going on in your loved one's body, 
you can help gather and provide the care needed to make that person's life a rich and vital one. You start feeling good about yourself, and soon the person who has Alzheimer's will start feeling pretty good also. Instead of getting that nasty vibe from you, you will be sending a very different signal I care, I'm here for you. Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia can be a challenging journey. Not only for the person diagnosed but also for their family members and loved ones. Caring for someone with Alzheimer's or dementia can seem overwhelming at times, but the more information and support you have, the better you can navigate the demanding road ahead and determine the long-term care options that are best suited to you and your loved one. Preparing for Alzheimer's and Dementia Care as you come to grips with an Alzheimer's or other dementia diagnosis, you may be dealing with a whole range of emotions and concerns. You'll no doubt be worried about how your loved one will change, how you'll keep him or her comfortable, and how much your life will change. You'll also likely be experiencing emotions such as anger, grief, and shock. Adjusting to this new reality is not easy. It's important to give yourself some time and to reach out for help. The more support you have, the better you will be able to help your loved one. While some of these tips are directed specifically at Alzheimer's patients, they may equally apply to those with other types of dementia as well, including vascular and mixed dementia. Early Stage Alzheimer's Care Preparations There are some Alzheimer's care preparations that are best done sooner rather then later. It may be hard to consider these questions at first, as it means thinking about a time when your loved one is already well down the road of his or her Alzheimer's journey. However, putting preparations in place early helps a smoother transition for everyone. Depending on the stage of diagnosis, include the person with Alzheimer's in the decision-making process as much as possible. If their dementia is at a more advanced stage, at least try to act on what their wishes would be. Questions to consider in preparing for Alzheimer's and dementia care. Who will make healthcare and or financial decisions when the person is no longer able to do so? While a difficult topic to bring up, if your loved one is still lucid enough, getting their wishes down on paper means they'll be preserved and respected by all members of the family. Consider meeting with an elder law attorney to best understand your options. You'll want to consider power of attorney, both for finances and for healthcare. If the person has already lost capacity, you may need to apply for guardianship, conservatorship. More information can be found in the resources section below. How will care needs be met? Sometimes family members assume that a spouse or nearest family member can take on caregiving, but that is not always the case. Caregiving is a large commitment that gets bigger over time. The person with Alzheimer's will eventually need round-the-clock care. Family members may have their own health issues, jobs, and responsibilities. Communication is essential to make sure that the needs of the Alzheimer's patient are met and that the caregiver has the support to meet those needs. Where will the person live? Is his or her own home appropriate, or is it 
difficult to access or make safe for later? If the person is currently living alone, for example, or far from any family or other support, it may be necessary to relocate or consider a facility with more support. Find out what assistance your medical team can provide in these areas. In some countries, you can also hire a care manager privately. Geriatric care managers can provide an initial assessment as well as assistance with managing your case, including crisis management, interviewing in-home help, or assisting with placement in an assisted living facility or nursing home. Developing day-to-day -day routines. Having a general daily routine in Alzheimer's and dementia care helps. Caregiving runs smoothly. These routines won't be set in stone, but they give a sense of consistency, which is beneficial to the Alzheimer's patient even if they can't communicate it. While every family will have their own unique routine, you can get some great ideas from your medical team or Alzheimer's support group, especially regarding establishing routines to handle the most challenging times of day, such as evenings. Keep a sense of structure and familiarity. Try to keep consistent daily times for activities such as waking up, mealtimes, bathing, dressing, receiving visitors, and bedtime. Keeping these things at the same time and place can help orientate the person. Let the person know what to expect even if you are not sure that he or she completely understands. You can use cues to establish the different times of day. For example, in the morning you can open the curtains to let sunlight in. In the evening, you can put on quiet music to indicate it's bedtime. Involve the person in daily activities as much as they are able. For example, a person may not be able to tie their shoes, but may be able to put clothes in the hamper. Clipping plants outside may not be safe but the person may be able to weed, plant, or water. Use your best judgment as to what is safe and what the person can handle. Communication tips As your loved one's Alzheimer's progresses, you will notice changes in communication, trouble finding words, increased hand gestures, easy confusion, even inappropriate outbursts are all normal. Here are some do's and don'ts on communicating communication do's and don'ts. Do. Avoid becoming frustrated by empathizing and remembering the person can't help their condition. Making the person feel safe rather than stressed will make communication easier. Take a short break if you feel your fuse getting short. Keep communication short, simple, and clear. Give one direction or ask one question at a time. Tell the person who you are if there appears to be any doubt. Call the person by name. Speak slowly. The person may take longer to process what's being said. Use closed-ended questions which can be answered yes or no. For example, ask, did you enjoy the beef at dinner? Instead of what did you have for dinner? Find a different way to say the same thing if it wasn't understood. Try a Simpler statement with fewer words. Use distraction or fibs if telling the whole truth will upset the person with dementia. For example, to answer the question, where is my mother? It may be better to say, 
She is not here right now instead of she died 20 years ago. Use repetition as much as necessary. Be prepared to say the same things over and over as the person can't recall them for more than a few minutes at a time. Use techniques to attract and maintain the person's attention. Smile, make eye contact, use gestures, touch, and other body language. Don't ever say things like, do you remember? Try to remember. Did you forget? How could you not know that? Ask questions that challenge short-term memory such as do you remember what we did last night? The answer will likely be no, which may be humiliating for the person with dementia. Talk in paragraphs. Instead, offer one idea at a time. Point out the person's memory difficulty. Avoid remarks such as I just told you that. Instead, just repeat it over and over. Talk in front of the person as if he or she were not present. Always include the person in any conversation when they are physically present. Use lots of pronouns such as their, that, those, him, her, it. Use nouns instead. For example, instead of sit there say sit in the blue chair. Use slang or unfamiliar words. The person may not understand the latest terms or phrases. Use patronizing language or baby talk. A person with dementia will feel angry or hurt at being talked down to. Use sarcasm or irony, even if meant humorously. Again, it can cause hurt or confusion. Planning activities and visitors. As you develop daily routines, it's important to include activities and visitors. You want to make sure that the Alzheimer's patient is getting sensory experiences and socialization, but not to the point of getting overstimulated and stressed. Here are some suggestions for activities. Start with a person's interests. Ask family and friends for memories of interests the person used to have. You'll want to tailor the interests to the current level of ability so the person doesn't get frustrated. Vary activities to stimulate different senses of sight, smell, hearing and touch. For example, you can't try singing songs, telling stories, movements such as dance, walking, or swimming, tactile activities such as painting, working with clay, gardening, or interacting with pets. Planning time outdoors can be very therapeutic. You can go for a drive, visit a park, or take a short walk. Even sitting on a balcony or in the backyard can be relaxing. Consider outside group activities designed for those with Alzheimer's. Senior centers or community centers may host these types of activities. You can also look into adult daycare programs, which are partial or full days at a facility catering to older adults and or dementia patients. Visitors and social events. Visitors can be a rich part of the day for a person with Alzheimer's disease. It can also provide an opportunity for you as the caregiver to socialize or take a break. Plan visitors at a time of day when your loved one can best handle them. Brief visitors on communication tips if they are uncertain and suggest they bring memorabilia your loved one may like, such as a favorite old song or book. Family and social events may also be appropriate, as long 
as the Alzheimer's patient is comfortable. Focus on events that won't overwhelm the person, excessive activity or stimulation at the wrong time of day might be too much to handle. Handling challenges in Alzheimer's and dementia care. One of the most painful parts of Alzheimer's disease is watching a loved one display behavior you never would have thought possible. Alzheimer's can cause substantial changes in how someone acts. This can range from the embarrassing, such as inappropriate outbursts, to wandering, hallucinations, and violent behavior. Everyday tasks like eating, bathing, and dressing can become major challenges. Painful as some behaviors are, it's critical not to blame yourself or try to handle all the changes in behavior alone. As challenging behavior progresses, you may find yourself too embarrassed to go out, for example, or to seek respite care. Unfortunately, difficult behavior is part and parcel of Alzheimer's disease. Don't isolate yourself. Ask for help from the medical team and reach out to caregiver groups for support. There are ways to modify or better accommodate problem behaviors. Both the environment you create at home and the way you communicate with your loved one can make a substantial difference. Considering long-term Alzheimer's and dementia care, it's the nature of Alzheimer's disease to progressively get worse as memory deteriorates. In the advanced stages of Alzheimer's, your loved one will likely need round-the-clock care. Thinking ahead to these possibilities can help make decisions easier. To find links to organizations in your area that may be able to help, see resources and references below. Care at home. There are several options for extending care at home. In-home help refers to caregivers that you can hire to provide assistance for your loved one. In-home help ranges from a few hours a week of assistance to live-in help, depending on your needs. You'll want to evaluate what sort of tasks you'd like help with, how much you can afford to spend, and what hours you need. Getting help with basic tasks like housekeeping, shopping, or other errands can also help you provide more focused care for your loved one. Day programs, also called adult day care, are programs that typically operate weekdays and offer a variety of activities and socialization opportunities. They also provide the chance for you as the caregiver to continue working or attend to other needs. There are some programs that specialize in dementia. Care. Respite care. Respite care is short-term care where your loved one stays in a facility temporarily. This gives you a block of time to rest, travel, or attend to other things. Is it time to move? As Alzheimer's progresses, the physical and mental demands on you as caregiver can gradually become overwhelming. Each day can bring more challenges. The patient may require total assistance with physical tasks like bathing, dressing, and toileting, as well as greater overall supervision. At some point, you won't be able to leave your loved one alone. Nighttime behaviors may not allow you to sleep, and with some patients, belligerent or aggressive behaviors may exceed your ability to cope or feel safe. Every situation is different. Sometimes the gap can be bridged by bringing in 
additional assistance, such as in-home help or other family members to share. The caregiving burden. However, it is not a sign of weakness if moving to your loved one to a facility seems like the best plan of care. It's never an easy decision to make, but when you're overwhelmed by stress and fatigue, it's difficult to maintain your caregiving standards. If the person with Alzheimer's is living alone, or you as the primary caregiver have health problems, this option may need to be considered sooner rather than later. No. How long you have Alzheimer's disease AD is the most common cause of dementia in America. Today, according to the Centers for Disease Control, 5 million Americans have had. Researchers and scientists have been studying the disease for decades, but there is no cure at hand. For patients and caretakers, quality of life becomes increasingly important. Once a diagnosis is made, read through this article to learn about the average life expectancy for people with AD. You will also learn how to make the long-term outlook a little bit brighter for yourself or your loved one. Alzheimer's disease. What is Alzheimer's disease? Alzheimer's disease AD is a degenerative brain disorder. The disease breaks down and destroys brain cells in the neurons that connect brain cells to one another. This damage causes a decline in memory, behavior, and mental capabilities. Every person's journey with that is different. For some, the disease progresses slowly and leaves mental function largely intact for several years. For others, AD is aggressive and quickly robs people of their memory. In the end, AD becomes severe enough to disrupt day-to-day -day life. In latter stages, patients will need almost constant care. Average Life Expectancy What is the average life expectancy? Life expectancy varies for each person with Alzheimer's disease AD. The average life expectancy after diagnosis is 8 to 10 years. In some cases, however, it can be as short as 3 years or as long as 20 years. AD can go undiagnosed for several years, too. In fact, the average length of time between when symptoms begin and when an AD diagnosis is made is 2.8 years. Treatment How much time can treatment add? Treatment will not prevent the progression of Alzheimer's disease AD. It is also unclear if treatment can add time to a person's life. Ultimately, AD will progress and take its toll on the brain and body. As it progresses, symptoms and side effects will grow worse. However, a few medications may be able to slow the progression of AD at least for a short time. Treatment can also improve your quality of life and help treat some of the symptoms you may experience. Talk with your doctor about your treatment options.